As the coronavirus outbreak continues, it's important to stay well informed. A national plan has been activated to manage the virus and support our community. As more is learned about the virus and the way it spreads, the plan will be adapted and we will let you know about the latest advice. For up-to-date information, visit health.gov.au. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Hello everyone and thanks for joining us for another edition of Weekender Wireless. I'm Troy Dodds. We activate this podcast series whenever there's big local news we want to take an in-depth look at. It sits alongside our other mediums, of course, our print edition, our website at westernweekender.com.au and of course our Facebook and Twitter pages. Today we continue to have a look at coronavirus and its impact on Penrith. And there is no doubt that Penrith has become something of a major focus of coronavirus, with more than 100 cases now confirmed in the area, a huge chunk of those from the cluster at Newmarch House Nursing Home in Caddens. Today, we'll update you on all of the numbers and important information, but before we do, some news from us. As you may know, the Western Weekender print edition has been on hiatus for a few weeks due to the coronavirus pandemic. We just faced some difficulties around advertisers who'd been forced to close their doors, and also we wanted to ensure the health and safety of our staff our distributors and everyone involved with the paper. It was a difficult decision to make. The Western Weekender has never not printed mid-year, apart from our Christmas breaks, never not printed mid-year in its history. But these are extraordinary times. We of course understand how important the paper is to a lot of people in Penrith, particularly older generations. And I am happy to say that our team is back in the office this Thursday with all of our health and safety guidelines being followed, of course, and our print edition will next be out on Friday, May 8. So Friday, May 8, next edition of the Western Weekender. All right, let's have a look at the numbers for you. And there are now 110 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the Penrith local government area. Now, if you're not sure what the Penrith local government area is, have a look at the explainer that is on our website at westernweekender.com.au. It lists all of the suburbs and whatnot that are included in the Penrith local government area. Essentially, it's the area covered by Penrith City Council. So if you get your bins collected by Penrith Council or you pay rates to Penrith Council, you are in the Penrith LGA. 110 cases. Now, that is the sixth most out of any LGA. The Waverley area currently has 181 cases. The Sydney local government area, 159. Northern Beaches, 154. Central Coast, 116. Sutherland Shire, 113. And then Penrith with 110. And um, our neighbouring local government area there, Blacktown, 107 cases. So Western Sydney certainly a big focal point. Now, of course, a lot of those cases are at Newmarch House. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, the critical locally acquired figures are in the Penrith area, 10 cases locally acquired. Now, that means that there is an unknown source of infection, and that is the main concern. Obviously, vast majority of uh, cases that we have seen in uh, New South Wales and in Australia were from overseas travellers, were introduced via uh, overseas travel. Um, of course, we saw the disaster on board the Ruby Princess, but um, these locally acquired cases are very, very concerning. Um, and there is 10 of them in the Penrith local government area. Now, uh, the situation at Newmarch House. This has been a, a very sad situation at Newmarch House. We know that, this nursing home in Caddens. Um, we know that there is now a total number of deaths linked to the facility uh, of six with an 82-year-old male resident, the latest person to have died after contracting coronavirus. 
And in just the last 24 hours or so, uh, we have seen an additional three residents and two staff at the facility test positive, bringing the total number of cases to 53, including 34 residents and 19 staff. So 34 residents at the Newmarch House Nursing Home and 19 staff have tested positive to coronavirus. There are six deaths. Now, we have watched intently this week. This situation continue to unfold at Newmarch House. It is deeply sad and there have been concerns raised about the level of care that is being undertaken at the facility. Obviously, there is some staff shortages. The federal government is assisting with Newmarch House as well. And the families, well, they've been gathering there every afternoon over the last few days, and they are seeking more answers, and they are seeking guarantees that their elderly loved ones are being looked after. Now, a number of horror stories have emerged with uh, staff shortages, of course, crippling the centre, as I said. Now, earlier this week, uh, family members were given an insight by Anglicare and health experts into the challenges of the outbreak. There was a uh, a webinar that took place with the centre's management and all of the staff there. Uh, the webinar was led by Grant Millard, who's the CEO of Anglicare, and included experts from the Commonwealth Department of Health, the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission, New South Wales Health, and the Older Persons Advocacy Network. And um, there was a, a lot of communication that went back and forth there with the families. There has been some disturbing stories, though. I just want to play you this. This is from uh, Deborah Knight's program on 2GB uh, just the other day. Savannah calling in about her grandmother, who is a resident of Newmarch House. This is uh, what Savannah said. So this morning um, I received a phone call, very distressing phone call from my mother, who is the primary contact um, for my nan, who is in uh, Newmarch House. And... From 7am, my grandmother woke up and needed to use the bathroom, like lots of people do in the morning, um, and can normally take herself there. But her bathroom door had somehow been locked overnight, and she couldn't get into the bathroom. So she called the buzzer to get help. Someone did come um, in between 7 and 8.30, I do know that, um, and they couldn't open the door and couldn't find the key. My grandmother was... um, very thirsty as well, she told me today, and, and decided not to have any water because she was trying to hold off um, oh, in terms dear. of her need to go to the bathroom, which isn't easy for anyone, let, a, let alone a 92-year-old. Um, and uh, about 9 o'clock, there was no sign of anyone to come and open this door, and really her dignity was stripped. Um, she had to resort to emptying her garbage bin um, and unfortunately using that because she couldn't get to her toilet. So she had to go to the toilet in a garbage bin. Correct. That's exactly what's happened. And you can imagine um, the the she horror that our whole family felt at hearing that story. And, and I've got to say for myself, real anger. Mm. Um, and just distressing, my mother decided to drive down. She was trying to get on the phone to all the numbers she had for Newmarch House. There was no answer going um, for her. Um, and she decided to drive down and if she needed to bang on doors to try and get someone to attend to her room. Um, but it's but as like, the fact that she's had to use a, a bin, it's just all a little too late, really. So that's Savannah calling into Radio 2GB and Deborah Knight. And I think what that phone call exemplifies is the fact that what we're dealing with at Newmarch House is two separate issues concurrently. First one, the actual outbreak itself, with a number of 53 cases, 34 residents, 19 staff, and of course, six deaths, very, very sadly. But then the other issue are the fact that there are residents in Newmarch House who need around-the-clock health care. 
They're residents who don't have coronavirus. They're residents who are in that nursing home so they can receive the right level of care. And there's a lot of concern from families that the staff shortages and this outbreak is really having an impact on that level of care. And Anglicare has said as much this week when they said that they did have some staff shortage issues as a result of the ongoing pandemic and the, the outbreak in the facility. So what Anglicare is dealing with at the moment is these two separate issues. They're both as serious as each other and they both need as much attention as each other. And it's just a really difficult and um, in many ways heartbreaking situation. I don't think now is the time for the blame game. I know that sometimes in a lot of these cases we want to point fingers straight away. We want to point fingers at Anglicare. We want to point fingers at the person who was infected, which is very unfair. I've mentioned that in previous podcasts because we now know the truth behind that situation was that the the healthcare worker did not know um, that she had coronavirus when she was going to work and certainly wasn't displaying symptoms while she was working. We, of course, also um, want to point blames at governments. We want to point blames at other staff, at, at all these situations, and it's just not the answer. There is going to need to be a full investigation into what's happened at Newmarch House. There is no question about that. Once the dust settles, there is going to need to be a thorough investigation about the outbreak itself and about the care that was delivered both before, during and after the coronavirus outbreak has happened there at that centre. But uh, as I say, I don't think now is the time to be, um, you know, trying to proportion blame uh, because we just, as much as we have got a lot of information, we just don't have all of the facts and all of the inside information that is required to suddenly say, yes, here is the problem. We know what's ultimately to blame and that is this virus and um, that is the the devastation that we're experiencing right across the community but uh, potentially an investigation will show that things could have been handled a little bit better at that nursing home and all we can do is hopefully learn for the future I'm sure the families of the six people who have died and the total of 34 residents who were diagnosed want some answers and they deserve those answers and uh, hopefully they will get them as time goes forward. Now, the other big story that happened today was word that a healthcare worker, a doctor at Nepean Hospital, had tested positive to coronavirus. So uh, another situation in the local area. A spokesperson from Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District said there is no impact to the hospital's operations as a result of this. A spokesperson said there is no ongoing risk to patients or staff and no impact on services. Health screening is carried out on all staff at the start of each shift. The healthcare worker wore a mask while at work and did not work whilst unwell. Uh, the spokesperson went on to say, the healthcare worker was undertaking non-clinical duties during this time. At the first sign of symptoms, the healthcare worker immediately presented to a COVID-19 clinic for testing. The spokesperson said Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District has strict contact tracing and screening procedures in place for confirmed COVID-19 cases and their contacts. They also said for privacy protection, no further details associated with contact tracing or testing will be provided. Uh, but that obviously scares a lot of people. But at the end of the day, um, they are saying, and, and look, we, we also had to expect that at some point we are going to get healthcare workers um, diagnosed with this disease. They are on the front line. Uh, but importantly, they were wearing a mask and all the right protective equipment. They weren't actually dealing with patients while sick um, and did not work whilst done well. So hopefully we might dodge a bullet there at Nepean Hospital. doesn't look like we'll have a, a massive uh, situation there. But obviously New South Wales Health are keeping their eye on it with a healthcare worker from the hospital testing positive to COVID-19. Now, the other big news that has happened over the weekend is that the federal government has launched its new voluntary coronavirus app, COVID Safe. 
and the federal government is urging Australians to download the app on their smartphone. They're hoping that there'll be an uptake of around 40%. Now, there has been some uh, safety and security concerns and some privacy concerns raised about this. I think that you know, let's leave the tinfoil hats at the door and uh, and let's download this app because it is going to make a big difference as far as uh, contact tracing is concerned and as far as the fight against coronavirus is concerned. And the federal government is actually saying, well, look, if we can get enough people to download this app and it can serve the purpose that we want it to, then it may well lead to some restrictions being lifted in the coming weeks, which should obviously be good news. Here's the Health Minister, Greg Hunt, explaining a little bit about this app at a press conference on Sunday. Uh, what we need to do... Uh, is uh, to ensure that there is tracing and uh, that tracing is about helping to find the cases in the community. Now, public health officials have been doing that manually and today we're expanding that capacity with the COVID Safe app. I'll briefly explain its uh, purpose and how it operates. In terms of its purpose, it's very simple. It's to protect our nurses and our doctors, our families, our friends and ourselves by providing early notification if we've been in contact with somebody uh, who may have been diagnosed as positive with coronavirus. And it's very possible that we would never know, and there are over 500 cases in Australia where we've never found the original source. And it may be that uh, two people have uh, been standing in a line and one of them had accidentally been a little bit close. They might have been on public transport together. The names are not known and you would not be able to find that person uh, and notify them that they, they're at risk. And they, in turn, might be in contact with a doctor or a nurse. And that's how an infection can get into an aged care centre or a hospital uh, or some other form of health environment. So against that background, uh, the, uh, the Australian government, in partnership with the medical community, has established the COVID Safe app. Uh, and what it does... Uh, is that it assists in the early alert and finding of people who may have been in contact with a uh, person that is positive with a diagnosis. Uh, how does it work? Very simply, uh, download uh, the app from your app store. Uh, it could be the Google, uh, the Google App Store. It could be the Apple App Store. Uh, subsequently register uh, from 6pm today. Uh, you then have your app uh, open. It has a, provides a Bluetooth handshake. It sits on your phone in terms of the data. That data is encrypted. No one has access to it, not even yourself, no Commonwealth officials. Uh, if you are diagnosed, uh, then you already have voluntary consent for downloading the app, but you're asked a second time. Uh, only a state public health official can be given access to that data. Uh, and only after uh, you have then consented for a second time. Uh, it's uh, then it, your details of whom you have been in contact with for more than 15 minutes if, with less than one and a half metres distance that will then be provided. In terms of privacy, no person can access what's on their phone. No other person can access what's on your phone. It's also prohibited by law. They've already signed in uh, to law on behalf of the government a Biosecurity Act determination which prevents access, which uh, ensures that the data has to be kept on an Australian server. It cannot leave the country. It cannot be, be accessed by anybody other than a state public health official. It cannot be used for any purpose other than uh, the provision of uh, 
data for the purposes of finding people with whom you have been in close contact and it's punishable by jail if there's a breach of that. That's Greg Hunt, the Federal Health Minister. And look, at the end of the day, I think that we should be doing anything we can at the moment to try and tackle coronavirus. And if this is going to help, then we should be doing it. Anyone who thinks that this is some sort of giant conspiracy at the height of an international pandemic, that we're going to launch some app that is ultimately going to be used for some weird other reason, I think is, as I say, tinfoil hats on. Leave it at the door. You can download the app now from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. There was initially a little bit of a bug in it where you couldn't put your phone number, uh, but now you can. I've downloaded it. I know members of our team have downloaded it, and I really encourage everyone to get on and download it because if we can get the 40% up, then that's going to be a big, big help as far as uh, the coronavirus situation is concerned. What I do find interesting is that we're running a poll on the Western Weekend uh, uh, Facebook page. Will you be downloading the federal government's new COVID-safe app? 36% at the moment saying yes, 64% saying no. Um, Now, that 36%, while it seems low, is close to the 40% that the government would want. So it's kind of on the right track. We'd like to see a bit more. I'm interested in the 64% no. Um, Look, I also understand that it's, it's not the simplistic argument that I'd like it to be that, hey, you download Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and all these apps anyway, and you hand your data over to private corporations and uh, at a lot bigger extent than you're going to in this situation. That's all true, but obviously there is some different situations there. So I'm not going to try and make that simplistic argument, but I am going to say that I find it really interesting that people do generally just skip those terms and conditions, don't read about privacy statements, don't read any of that when they go on apps and websites, and all of a sudden... They're pretty desperate to uh, say no to this situation, 64% of people at the moment, despite it being something that could really, really help this current pandemic and see some restrictions lifted. Uh, But if you want to vote on that poll, head over to our Facebook page. It'll be up for a few days. Uh, Westernweekender.com.au is the website. The Facebook page, facebook.com slash westernweekender. 36% yes at the moment, 64% no. Will you be downloading the federal government's new COVID safe app? You can get the app, as I say, from the App Store or also from the um, uh, Google Play Store if you are on an Android device. Now, restrictions. That will be the big talking point in the next few weeks, along with schools. There is no doubt about that. Um, Now, some states have already started to lift some baseline restrictions. Uh, Queensland and also uh, Western Australia tweaking them slightly. No sign that New South Wales will do that, although I'm sure that the Premier Gladys Berejiklian will be asked about it at her press conferences this week, which she's been holding at 8am daily. Uh, But it looks like in mid-May, we will see some restrictions lifted. There's a lot of talk around the dates of May 11 and also May 18. That'll fall in line uh, with a few things, including when the federal government said that they would review some of these restrictions that are in place. And I think that there's no doubt that restrictions will be lifted. I I think that you are starting to see now just a little bit of frustration in people as far as the restrictions are concerned. There's still that big understanding there, but also some frustration. And I don't think you could get to mid-May with the numbers that we're experiencing as far as new cases and still justify the the total restrictions that we have now. Um, They'll obviously be wound back bit by bit as we mentioned previously. Exactly what will be restricted um, in May and what won't be, who knows? Um, That is only really guesswork, but if you wanted us to do some guesswork, I would say that obviously you'll start to see those restrictions around, um, you know, that you can only go outside for these essential things like exercise and work and, um, you know, going to the shops lifted a little bit. Um, You know, the number of people you can go with may be lifted. The things you can do may be changed a little bit. Hopefully, we'll get to a point where soon we can open some pubs and clubs and restaurants because we know that that sector needs to get up and running again. 
there was some reports over the weekend of ways that that may happen. And you may start to see some big changes as far as pubs and clubs and all of that is concerned. Um, some talk that uh, in pubs, for example, that uh, you may no longer have the old buzzer that, that goes off and is handled by multiple people a night. You may no longer have the water jugs at the end of the bar, the laminated menus, all of that sort of stuff. Um, in cinemas, potentially only every second seat sold, uh, things like that. So the, the businesses are starting to get a bit proactive and sort of saying, look, what can we do to try and get things opened again with approvals? So... Look, hopefully we get to a point where we can do that. I don't know if it'll happen in mid-May. I'd love for it to. I don't know if it will. I think that they may hold on a little bit longer there as far as bars, pubs, clubs, restaurants are concerned. As far as going back to total normality, well, there won't be total normality until a vaccine is found, but ultimately the decision will be made that the health system can handle the current rate of growth and infections, and therefore we can go back to a relative level of normality, still with social distancing in mind, still with hygiene, front of mind, but I think we'll start to see those businesses reopen. We're probably going to see that in a rolling situation through until um, you know July, August, maybe early September. Uh, by the time September, October rolls around, hopefully we'll see some domestic travel open up. And then international travel, that'll be the last thing. And I think that the funny thing is, international travel will probably be longer than we actually originally anticipated. I know that the Prime Minister was saying six months, and a lot of us were saying, oh, six months is a long time, and things like that. Well, I don't think it'll be as long as six months for some of the things, but for international travel, it's going to be longer than six months, because we've done so well in Australia at essentially containing this virus. We potentially are on the verge of eradicating it from Australia, that I don't think we'll go anywhere near opening up our borders again until we are sure that um, that there won't be some some sort of spike or outbreak in Australia and you can't really do that unless you've got a vaccine or unless you've got total control of the situation around the world. So I think it'll be a long time before we see international travel opening up again. But uh, hopefully a couple of weeks, um, sometime in May, we will see some restrictions start to be lifted. And once that happens, it'll be a rolling situation of restrictions being lifted and um, life will seem to return to normal again. Of course, one of the things that um, we'll all be thinking about is what permanently changes. And I've seen a lot of things being discussed that work from home could become a permanent thing for a lot of people i have my doubts on that one i'm going to write a column about that um later in the week or or next week i I really think that that's been a little bit blown out of proportion I, i understand where it's all coming from but i've got a feeling that businesses in the end won't revert to this long term working from home scenario um But we could well see some improvements in work-life balance, hygiene in particular. We could see some big changes there uh, because i tell you what, men in particular out there, you're going to be frowned upon if you uh, head away from the urinal and don't wash your hands. Um, You know, blokes, you know what I'm talking about. You often see it in the men's bathroom. Well, um, I think that'll be changing pretty significantly. And of course, sporting events is the other one. Um, We're going to be a long way off before we have crowds at sporting events. But um, look, we just have to wait and see what happens. Um, If I, as I say, guesswork, I think we'll see some initial um, restrictions around social gathering um, in terms of um, that limited number of two at the moment, probably expanded in New South Wales to 10 or something like that. Then we'll slowly see the mass gatherings lifted, uh, whether it be uh, maybe for under 500s with weddings and funerals and things like that allowed again. We'll see some pubs and clubs and restaurants open. 
then we'll hopefully get to some uh, some bigger ones down the track in terms of the sporting events and then international travel. Now, talking of sporting events, uh, the National Rugby League continues to uh, dominate discussions and split opinions as far as its plan to come back. At the end of the day, the NRL um, has decided it wants to come back on the 28th of May. Now, the NRL is being criticised by a lot of people, Peter Volandis as well, people saying that the NRL is just you know being a law unto itself here I don't take that view. I think that at the end of the day, the NRL is a billion-dollar business, and if any of us ran a billion-dollar business, we'd be keen to get it back up and running as quickly as possible, and there seems to be a path for the NRL to do that. Now, there's a few things that still need to be ticked off. One crucial one that did get sorted out in the last few days is agreement from the broadcasters, so Channel 9 and Fox Sports have all jumped on board now and agreed that May 28 is go for the restart date. Now what needs to get sorted out is the length of the competition. The latest information is it'll either be a 17 or a 20 round competition and then State of Origin will be played after the grand final. Now there's been a lot of people over the years who've wanted to see that and wanted to see Origin played after the grand final. So we're going to be forced into a test run of that. Um, Now look, the NRL won't restart unless it has all the health clearances it needs. The federal government is currently um, working as part of the National Cabinet to develop some guidelines around sport at an elite level as well as at a community level. Um, So we'll see some announcements there. The NRL have to tick a few boxes there. But I reckon that as it all works out, we're going to get to May 28. We're going to have some restrictions lifted. We're going to have governments with guidelines around sport. And the NRL is probably going to be good to go. And it's probably going to be one of the first sporting codes in the world to be back up and running. And as much as there's criticism for it now... I've got a feeling there's actually going to be a lot of praise for the NRL in the end. They are putting in some pretty strict health procedures to try and get back up and running. And I think in the end, the uh, the criticism will be unfounded. But we will see exactly what happens with the NRL. But uh, May 28 is the date. We're hoping in the next couple of days, we will have confirmation of the structure of that competition. The AFL, um, all you Giants fans out there, we are waiting on news of when they plan to resume the season. There's been a lot of talk about July. They were thinking about making an announcement this week, but the decision's now been made that they'll wait a couple more weeks before making a decision on the prospects for the AFL season. Now, I'd say what CEO Gillan McLaughlin wants to do there is, given that we are close to some of these restrictions being lifted in May, um, we're just going to see what restrictions get lifted in two or three weeks, and then the AFL will go okay, we know where we're heading. They'll also wait for those guidelines to come out and we'll be able to confirm exactly where the AFL is at. The A-League, um, look, they were agonisingly close to their final series. Uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers were only a couple of points out of the top six. They committed through Football Federation Australia last week that they do want to continue and finish the season. Uh, but there is no confirmation yet on when and how they will do that. But the A-League still committed at this point to continuing, and uh, they are keeping their fingers crossed they'll be able to get all the way through to a final series, crown a champion, and then crown the premiers as well. So that's what's happening in the world of sport. We will keep you up to date at westernweekender.com.au and across our social media pages as well with exactly what's happening in the world of sport because there will be some big developments coming up in the next seven days. Now, just a couple of other things before we wrap up this edition of Weekender Wireless. Uh, Anzac Day, uh, obviously significantly impacted by 
the coronavirus pandemic with no dawn service in Penrith or St Mary's, uh, no Anzac Day march. Um, it, w- it was sad to not have that, but I tell you what, it was replaced with some fantastic scenes across Penrith uh, with people heading to the end of their driveways and um, with candles and special tributes, even if they just went down there with no candle, just stood there and, and paid their respects on Anzac Day. So a shout out to everyone who uh, took part in that special service um, at home on Saturday morning and next year obviously we'll be back to a bit of normality but for those who can't get to a dawn service those who can't um, you know every year get out to Memory Park well this is going to be a new way I think that people are going to be able to show their respects so in uh, many ways even though there were some fears that we could lose the momentum around Anzac Day because of this we actually could see it grow we could see crowds obviously back at dawn services next year in big numbers but for those who can't make it to a service we could see them doing these things on their driveways which is tremendous so um, it's funny how sometimes new traditions begin out of crises um, and um, it looks like that you know this crisis is going to deliver a new tradition as far as Anzac Day is concerned. Uh, also, there is a new GP-led COVID-19 clinic that has opened in Penrith. Now, this clinic assesses, tests and diagnoses people with mild to moderate respiratory symptoms, including fever, sore throat, cough, tiredness and shortness of breath. The clinic's one of 100 being rolled out across the country as part of the federal government's response to help combat and control the COVID-19 pandemic. Wentworth Healthcare has worked closely with Cornerstone Health to establish the clinic. It's located at our medical home in Penrith. Now, the clinic will assess and test people for COVID-19 when clinically indicated. Test results will take approximately 48 hours. Patients will then be referred back to their usual GP for ongoing treatment. Uh, Now, attendance at the clinic is by appointment only. Appointments can be made by calling 8311-3888, or you can jump online as well. Um, Now, appointments uh, as well can be had uh, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. The clinic's located behind the uh, medical home building at the Penrith Homemaker centre and upon arrival patients will be met in the car park by a concierge and then directed to the COVID-19 respiratory clinic which is uh, set up a uh, temporary facility there. Um, now some other stories as well that um, that we've covered at the Western Weekender over the last week. More businesses starting to get back up with pop-up cafe and takeaway options. Uh, Panthers are in the mix there uh, so some employees back working at Panthers. Uh, Kelly's has got a grab-and-go concept going with some great meat packs and great takeaway meals and things like that. So you can go try that um, from our friends at Panthers. Um, We've also seen um, a story, I did this story uh, a couple of days ago on how beauty businesses are adapting to the coronavirus shutdown and what it all means to them. So you can read that on westernweekender.com.au. And we'll have more stories for you this week on the pandemic. Um, Importantly, it's not just... The, the health updates and the sad news and the, the numbers going up. We are trying to do as many stories as we can on some of the, the good news as is coming out of this as well as far as uh, recoveries are concerned, but also how businesses are adapting and how people are adapting to this as well. Anyway, that is it from us, another edition of Weekender Wireless. We appreciate you joining us. Westernweekender.com.au is the website address. The print edition back on Friday, May 8. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and make sure you keep up that social distancing and um, only go out if it is absolutely required and it's for essential work or groceries or uh, business and education. Uh, schools, that was the uh, the final thing I wanted to mention. Uh, term 3 obviously starts this week. Pupil free days, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, parents are advised to 
keep their kids at home, if possible, from Wednesday. But from week three, your school will give you some information about how kids are returning one day a week initially. We know there's a big debate happening about schools, but it seems that all the research is indicating it is safe to send your kids to school. Uh, But um, that debate will continue, I'm sure, in the coming days and weeks. Thanks for your company again. We'll keep you updated on all of our mediums here at Western Weekender. Keep safe. As the coronavirus outbreak continues, it's important to stay well informed. A national plan has been activated to manage the virus and support our community. As more is learned about the virus and the way it spreads, the plan will be adapted and we will let you know about the latest advice. For up-to-date information, visit health.gov.au. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra.